never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview because today I'm going to get to address my passion of holistic healing and functional medicine and making this world a better place by working on ourselves one little tweak, one little thing at a time. And who better to discuss that with than Felon Morningstar. Uh, Felon is a uh, a fellow curious woman who wants to figure out uh, what has happening, what has happened to her body, um, and a lot of challenges happened to her. So she got incredibly curious and didn't give up until she is that wonderful and improved version of herself now. So I can't, I can't, can't wait. Hey, welcome to my show, Felon. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love your energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, because it's so beautiful. My goodness, we so many of us are running around in the darkness and everything hurts and we are so run down and so tired and got this starts aching and creaking and that starts aching and creaking and little diseases like diabetes and bowel problems and things like thyroid problems come up and you think oh my god and you go to the doctor and well you know three visits later you walk out with 10 different tablets and not really so much better um now says the doctor okay says the doctor <laughs> so <laughs> we both agree and and that smile on your face already told me a lot but i mean how did you <laughs> how did your journey start i mean you don't wake up when you're 10 years old and say hey great i'm gonna go into holistic medicine <laughs> right um great question so four years ago i was dealing with it seemed like compounding physical symptoms that were coming up that i didn't really recognize or potentially want to see things like insomnia bloating emotional eating very poor recovery. I'd be, I tr was training as a bodybuilding um, person and I could not recover. My muscles could mm. not recover. So four days after training, I would still be sore. And at that time I had been on the hormonal birth control pill from 16 to 26. And my curious mind was really observing how my quote unquote cycle would come around, which is the considered the withdrawal bleed of the, the um, period. And it was not how it was when I first started at 16. It was, it was interesting to observe. And I said, you know, I think I should look into this. So that was another symptom that was coming up that I felt like was not normal. So went to the family physician, went to my gynecologist and said, I had stopped taking the pill and I'm having these symptoms in addition to, I think, the exacerbation of not taking this pill. Yeah. And I left with some concerns because I didn't have this direction of we can do this panel, we can do these tests or check this out, do this. My CBC, my standard blood work was fine. The gynecologist mm -hmm. said, you know, you're you're very young, you look okay. And <laughs> I didn't feel okay. So I said, this wasn't, this doesn't feel right. And thankfully, two years prior to that, I had met a functional practitioner who I wasn't even looking for at the time. I was at a retreat and fast forward then two years when I needed to find a different way to look at things. Um, 
he had come back into my life because my friend was actually going through testing herself. So needless to say, I went through some panels and blood work and um, stool samples and a, a um, saliva test. And I fell in love because that was validation for me mm. to say, I'm not crazy. There is something going on. This is direction to heal. Mm. And besides that, there's a lot of lifestyle changes that I need to work on. Beautiful is sad. Beautiful is sad. And you're so right. It is what you're describing there is that that change that we are luckily now increasingly seeing in mainstream medicine. Um, when I started medicine, let's say 80s, 90s, um, there's was very clear, let's say hormonal, there's the brain that tells the hormone uh, secreting gland what to do and then there's a feedback and that's it um, and you can intervene somewhere in between there and that's it and when you do blood tests well either you're anemic or you're not anemic if you're not anemic well yeah nothing wrong with you and it's it's that kind of simplistic kind of view that has fallen by the wayside and nowadays we understand that, that the body is a huge web completely intricate web of so many systems that are all inter interacting and so that's that's where it comes in so here you are you're talking about uh about uh fatigue muscles yet you're talking about stool testing what the hell what what has your stool got to do with your muscles awesome question literally the i'm sure maybe your listeners have heard you have heard that gut is like the second brain almost and everything that we're intaking, the water, the food, even the conversation, so the energy that we're intaking mm. absolutely matters to how we function. And I think that we put little weight on that sometimes of how food does impact us. Oh, and yes. with muscles, you know, let's just take protein, for example, if we're not eating enough of animal proteins, like the amino acids that we need that break down into those polypeptides and into those neurotransmitters that, you know, ultimately do support our muscles and how they function and grow and metabolize. Like there's going to be a big um, concern if our body cannot properly do those functions. And Oops. over time, mm. it just continues to to create more chaos, more symptoms come up. And symptoms are always the last thing to come up. It's so much deeper. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And and ultimately <laughs> what we are talking about is is really this this magic, magic being that is living within us. And that magic being is the gut microbiome. And these are all those 10,000 species of different bacteria that are having a party within us. Because really, if you look at Fallon, as beautiful as she beams here through Zoom, well, when we look at her, only about, I would say, you know, between one in 10 and one in three cells that is Fallon uh, are actually from mommy and daddy. The rest is bacteria. Now, they are so tiny and they're so teensy-weensy bit that all in all, they are probably about two kilogram, one kilogram, two kilogram thereabouts in weight. But if you look by numbers, they're huge. And there are so many of them and they're doing so amazing things. And that is something that most people don't really figure out and don't don't think about. So when we think, Ugh, yeah. 
bacteria. Ugh. No, bacteria are your best friend. Without them, you're dead. Absolutely dead. Okay. And that is something that we have only begin, begun to realize in, in the last two decades, maybe. And in really the, the last decade that it comes more into, into the, the, the cultural awareness that actually bacteria are good for you. Some of them, at least. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I agree with you, Felon. Um, how do you see the gut um, as a as the core starting point to for any journey into uh, exploring the health of a person? So, if we think about how our gut is absorbing all the things that we're taking in, you know, let's just take food for example. If we're not able to actually absorb the nutrients we cannot live a healthy lifestyle over time with the stress that we are all hit with and the inability to kind of cope with that and manage that. Mm -hmm. We have even more significant mineral deficiencies and it just kind of cycles into this snowball where mm -hmm. our gut cannot really absorb anything. And maybe we're having eight bowel movements a day, you know, because we're eating and then we go to the bathroom right away. Like we're not able to actually absorb anything. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's our liver is having a tough time detoxifying. And so we have our hormones, they're recirculating, other chemicals are recirculating. And then our gut has to try to reprocess something else. So it's almost like there's this whole system where we have to more or less like be very intentional and very conscious mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. everything that is impacting us the water with mm -hmm. the maybe the residues of prescription medications that we're drinking or the the heavy metals mm -hmm. or the air that we're breathing from the exhaust or maybe there's radon in the home which I have a personal story with that and maybe there's mold so all of these things that our body has to mm -hmm. deal with on a daily basis that we cannot see I think the more that we can become conscious of it without being hyper vigilant of it mm -hmm. is going to be very pivotal in our health. So mm -hmm. I've heard a practitioner tell me before, like, if you do have stomach problems, there is something that you cannot stomach, not necessarily uh -huh. food, yeah. but let's take a look at our, like, maybe for the females, like our womb space how that has been impacted and maybe different areas where we haven't upheld boundaries from a romantic partner or mm. from um, even our family dynamic and how mm. mom, grandmother talked to their bodies, talked about themselves. It all resonates in this lower part of our body mm. where we have that ability to create the life that we're yearning for. And I think a lot of it is just stagnant. And we can incorporate the physical stuff, yes, but also the spiritual stuff. It's almost like we are stagnant. And I think the more that we can get our lower body like moving, not necessarily movement as an exercise, certainly that's yeah. included, but also how we can flow with the energy, how we can use food to support our detoxification mm -hmm. pathways is really going to support ourselves um, dramatically. 
Oh, it's beautiful the, the way you described it. I 100% agree. And uh, it's so important to realize that whilst there is this, this other being in you, the microbiome, um, the importance of that is illustrated by the fact that compared nervous system parts, you've got about a kilogram and a half of nervous system up there. And everyone agrees, if that gets damaged, you're in trouble, okay? So one and a half kilogram. You've got a what, one and a half kilogram of nervous tissue surrounding the gut. Hmm, that's to tell you something, okay? So when we talk about gut feeling, there is actually something very true there. <laughs> now, when we talk about the gut microbiome, you've got essentially many, many bacteria there. And there are at least six, eight different big groups of bacteria. And they all need to be in a balance. They all need to be happy. If there's one bully in the playground which takes over, often enough, things don't work well. And it's sort of, it's it's really looking into that, that balance of good and maybe not so good bacteria uh, in there. That is where the stool testing comes in. That's one of the, the reasons that we look into that um, as one of the very first tests to do. Because often enough, we find not so nice things, um, some parasites, some worms, some weird and wonderful things that you really, truly don't want to have sitting in your gut. <laughs> How often do you see things like that in your daily practice? Uh, almost 100% of the time. Watch I've it. never met somebody that has a good microbiome. Because mm. I, I think generation after generation, which is lack of awareness and lack mm. of the ability to mm. be able to support it in the right way. Mm. And, you know, with our world can constantly changing, mm. it's mm. added stress and that we're just not really given the tools to be able to cope with that stress. And even bringing in like the stimulation of the vagus nerve can really mm. be supportive into mm. helping us be more in that parasympathetic state mm. where we're always in the sympathetic. I know myself included. I have to catch myself <laughs> and be like, okay, like let's exactly. try to stimulate this vagus nerve and <laughs> kind of get us in this this more of a grounded state. And I think it's beautiful when us humans are be are able to be flexible because mm. certainly we need to be in that state, the sympathetic sometimes, mm. uh, but to help us downregulate and upregulate in this kind of more free flowing state rather than us being almost stuck in this fight or flight mm. um, sympathetic state. I think that being able to maybe it's something as simple as doing a flutter breath or a diaphragmatic breath to help the bottom of you move and vibrate to shift that energy mm. that needs to be shifted so you can then feel this kind of elated pleasant state of calm and it doesn't take mm. that long it's just mm. being aware that you need to shift almost <laughs> absolutely and guys if you if you think well what a heap of baloney you know left-wing crap now nah, i'm a man i i do things the manly things well if you think about it okay let's let's be a man or a woman a, a, a shield maiden who's going out there kicking ass um okay fair enough so imagine you're on the battlefield now um and an opponent comes to you and basically uh it's a it's a fight for life and death okay do you think it makes sense that you suddenly feel the urge for a bowel movement? Probably not. Going to the toilet, having a wee. 
Eh, probably not. Digesting, getting all the blood to the gut. Yeah, probably not. Um, so erections or sexual um, desires. Eh, probably not. So all those things are switched off when you're in this constant fight, flight, freeze mode. So therefore, you know, it, it, we are living very hectic lives where we switch off our gut continuously. Well, does that make sense to you? Not really, does it? So this balance is so missing. That's Fallon what you're talking about. So it's so beautiful the way you describe it. And it's so powerful because there are actually so many little things that we can do to actually help that gut recover. So, I mean, the gut is clearly the, the one starting point. I mean, uh, there is, people are talking about this leaky gut thing. What's that all about? So our gut has a barrier to it, right? We have lots of bacteria going on inside. We have some stomach acid that's helping us break down things. While on the outside of this barrier, we have this free flowing, our basically, our blood is in there. We have um, all of these beautiful processes that happen. But if our stress is high and stress can be from the processed foods that we're eating, again, mm -hmm. water, et cetera, stress, that barrier begins to basically open up these little microvilli that help us with the absorption kind of open up their villi because it's basically there's a brush border that gets damaged over time. And so when that happens, these villi open up and, and allows our gut basically to become leaky. Mm. There are proteins or antigens that are leaking out into our general circulation into our blood system where our immune cells are, causing our immune system to become more in that sympathetic state, right? So mm. we are kind of getting these invaders more or less. Say, for example, if we are sensitive to broccoli, we maybe a, the protein there or the antigen of broccoli is generally circulating in our bloodstream and our immune system is like, what is that? I'm that going right? to do my best to protect you. Hmm. And over time, if that continues to be a continuous thing, like, for example, I was sensitive to broccoli. Maybe that's why my mind brought it up. <laughs> I did not feel, I didn't get a skin rash. I wow. didn't really have bloating from that. I didn't have this terrible feeling from eating broccoli. And yet I was very sensitive to it from mm. a blood screening, from a food sensitivity test. And I say that because there is, there can be always this low systemic inflammation that's going on behind the scenes. And we just do not realize it until our symptoms continue to compound and compound until maybe we're then hit with a diagnosis or an mm. autoimmune condition. And I think if we can be proactive mm. and say, like, I am feeling a little bit off. And it's almost like this balance between being hypervigilant about it, trying to find, 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 versus being proactive and say, I know something's off. How can I explore mm. this and support my system in the best way that I can? Mm. So going back to the leaky gut scenario, if we can discover these things that are causing the leaky gut or causing us our or our immune system to be overactive mm. then we can slowly remove those stressors because our body has its own innate ability to heal itself we just have to learn how to support it in the best way 
Beautiful. Yes. And that's exactly it, isn't it? It is uh, uh, is amazing when you actually do allergy testing, food allergy testing, um, that uh, the the amount of reactions that you sometimes see. When I did that the first time around, I was chronically tired. I had gone uh, to a nutritionist, a holistic um, practitioner, um, who I forever had sent patients to. And I thought, come on, I put my money where my mouth is, uh, take me apart. And I turned out to be allergic to a beautiful German breakfast. So the the little rolls, the butter, the cheese, the eggs, the you name it, those kind of things. Ooh, I was allergic to all of it. As you said, low levels or moderate levels, not something that you write home about, but my CRP was actually high normal. CRP is an inf- a systemic inflammatory marker. It was normal for a doctor. So when you look at it, now nah, it's normal. It's, there is no uh, crazy disease going on. But it was high for a functional medicine specialist where you think, hey, hang on. And that was only something that I learned later once I started my own journey into the functional medicine. Um, that really, why the hell is there so much inflammation going on? So I changed my diet. Um, I cut out the German breakfast. <laughs> um, two months, exactly. <laughs> Two months later, well, my fatigue was gone. <laughs> my hay fever was magically improved. My smelly feet had gone. Um, old shoulder injury, gone. I thought, hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> now, in all fairness, it was not just cutting out things. It was also using supplements that my body was craving and that allowed, um, that supported the various organ systems, the various uh, beautiful metabolic steps that are sort of intricate and that that were missing so much. And part of it was my shitty diet. Although I thought I eat well, I was still sad. In other words, standard American diet, sad, and which means high inflammatory shit that I was eating um, and just not, not I was, I was talking the talk, but certainly not walking the walk. But also our, our here in New Zealand, our soil is deficient of selenium, of zinc. Um, even if you were to eat from the land, you're still short of things. So only when I started replenishing things, suddenly, wow, the lights went on. Ah, yeah. man, was that a similar experience with you in your, in your path? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point of just the soil, mm. the nutrition in the soil today, everywhere, I think mm. is dramatically different than what it was before. And that's the, the truth. It, mm. it is kind of unfortunate to say, but I think that there is very much a place for supplements, for natural supplements to support us because mm. we are lacking that nutrition. And mm. again, when we are in that stress state, we are burning through a lot more minerals than what we typically are. So it's almost like this. Exactly. We're getting hit with all of these things. Mm. And so it's like we have to try double time almost as hard Mm. to keep us into that balanced state. And I think that is the reality almost Mm. that we have to to realize. And magnesium Mm. has been a huge supporter Mm. in me feeling more in this calm, grounded state, Mm. helping my sleep helping me mm. sleep throughout the night, mm. helping my muscles. Mm. I know I suggested this to my grandmother. She was having cramps in her legs or oh, this, please. um, oh, what do you call it? Restless leg, restless leg yeah, syndrome. Thank you. Mm. And as soon as she took magnesium, went away. Exactly. My father, you know, he, um, 
is does a lot of physical labor. And so mm-hmm. he was getting um, leg cramps, magnesium, took it away. And Absolutely. this is a natural product that anybody can take. There's no side effects to it. Mm-hmm. If you take too much, certainly you will feel it because you'll have a bowel movement, right? <laughs> but when we are in this stress state, yeah. I will take more magnesium because I know the magnesium burn rate is at a higher level. Absolutely. Perfectly said. And now, okay, this this kind of, ah, eat leafy greens. What? I don't want to see another kale uh, thing. Well, guys, the green is chlorophyll. And what is the center atom of chlorophyll? Da, 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 magnesium. Okay. There is a damn good reason that we actually say eat green, eat your colors. Um, the more leafy greens you can have, the better. And coming back to our leaky gut and the gut microbiome, what do you think our bacteria want? They don't want the sugar. Well, some of them do, but these are the wrong guys. You don't want them in there. Um, no. What do they want? They want fiber, greens. There we are again. So it's this beautiful interaction. And suddenly when you sort of put one puzzle piece to the next puzzle piece, suddenly a picture starts emerging. And you think, huh, okay, that looks familiar. Um, so maybe now it makes sense when they are saying, well, eat something uh, something healthy. And we and it's so easy to, to upset that. Um, I forever, hands up, I, I admit, I forever loved diet. Okay, uh, I'm not. I'm not condemning. I'm not uh, uh, diet sprite, diet coke, diet all that shit. Um, and I, I drank that for decades. Uh, and thinking because it's diet, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, my ass, honestly. Um, you just go onto the internet and have a look of cleaning your bumper, re- cleaning a rusty bumper with Coca Cola. Um, just look that up, and then tell me that what you're drinking is actually good for your gut okay so please yeah. <laughs> oh tell me about your what what do you think i mean when you sort of analyze when you ask people to do a food diary and when you sort of look at them what are sort of the typical culprits that you are picking up well there's a lot of packaged things isn't it i mm. know we as humans we do enjoy the crunchy things sometimes or just the very creamy things. And I totally get it. And I believe that as we are evolving, so is the food industry where when the want is there, they almost create it. So let's take gluten, for example, years ago, no one really had gluten-free products, right? Mm -hmm. And now today they are stocked full on the shelf. Now you have to be very observative of the language on the packaging for sure, because there are tricking (laughs) industries. However, they're becoming more popular because there's a need for it. Now, that's kind of eye-opening too, because clearly us humans have a degraded gut that we need to have these gluten-free types of foods because Mm. of how it's really processed with the glyphosate, the pesticide that's Mm. always connected to the gluten protein. Yes, I get that. But I think I'm seeing a lot that when people just remove gluten for 20 days, 30 days, 100% of the time, they feel a difference and they Mm. feel better. Mm. There's less muscle stiffness. And I will say there are so many alternatives. You can still eat pasta, Mm. bread. It is out there. But to remove gluten and that very extremely inflammatory food is going to be transformative to Mm. majority of the population, whether they are, they have a gluten sensitivity or not. Mm. 
hundred percent agreed. And we see that. I mean, there there are some beautiful studies out there. Um, when you look at, for example, pasta, and what you have got with modern technology, we have got little pills that are cameras that you can actually swallow, and it takes. Uh, every minute, uh, every whatever you program it in, it takes a picture. So there was a, a, a nice study where they uh, made homemade pasta, um, beautifully all from scratch, which is not difficult. It's egg, salt, and 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 flour. But what pops your uncle? Um, so and have that, and then store bought uh, pasta, and they basically prepared identical dishes, and then uh, asked people to eat the various versions of it, the two versions of it, and gave them a camera, um, basically to swallow with the food. And they took pictures. And when you look at the pictures, within a few minutes, the homemade pasta completely dissolved. It's 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 like milk, like like nothing. The other pasta is still in existence. Minutes, minutes, minutes later, unchanged basically. <laughs> and don't get me started on ramen noodles. Um, they're beautiful, beautiful, um, uh, uh, quick fix projects out there. How you can fix, for example, a broken vanity with ramen noodles. Um, it's fantastic as a building material. Thumbs up, but just not to eat, honestly. Oh gosh, <laughs> so, that used to be me in freshman year of college. Oh, yeah, there you go. And that is for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's so brutal when we actually think back and reflect what we have done to our bodies by simply not knowing what we were doing. And we also therefore need to say to give that to our parents, because our parents were influenced by the this this social engineering of oh, it comes readily made for you. That is a sign of uh, of social being higher up. You, you don't cook yourself. My God, making your own bread is disgusting. That's the lower class. That kind of shit, that was 70s. And now we put it in a microwave. Look how nice that is. That, you know, they were basically brought up with this kind of social engineering that taught them, hey, you, you want to be modern. You want to be good for your family because you're not cooking so much you can be there for your family bullshit um and so on and so on so it's a it's an intergenerational problem and it gets worse and worse and worse because people want to make more and more money the quality of our food is of our food is going down and down the cost of living crisis that we are at the moment facing everywhere is, is there climate crisis will affect the availability of water will be affecting the availability of crops um so it is a multifactorial disaster that is waiting for us right well i do feel like we can still and i believe you certainly agree with this taking the power into our own hands of how we can support ourselves. Because the better that we are, the higher our frequency is, the more that we bring that to the planet and the higher the collective energy is. So I think <laughs> going back to you saying there has been so many generations and years that we have you know, treated our body a certain way, eating the sad diet, eating the... Um, or taking the hormonal birth control pill, mm. that has not permanent impacts, but many years of impacts. And so when we start to change our diet and maybe we're getting frustrated because we're not at a certain point in our journey yet, 
I think it's so pivotal for us to look back and see how many years we thought the way we did. Mm. We ate the way we did. We nice. had the conversations and the people around us the way we nice. did. I think it's ever this beautiful journey of just opening up the door a little bit more, a little bit more. And I think we have to remember myself included to be gentle with ourselves because for example, taking the hormonal birth control pill from age 16 to 26, a decade's worth of pills every single day, synthetic estrogen, fortified iron, mineral deficiencies in this pivotal reproductive system. Age 16, we are trying to become this woman and to take that and to not realize at age 26 when we stopped that, oh, I'm just going to work to have a baby now. And maybe now we experience some infertility or Mm -hmm. our cycle is not regular. I think we Mm -hmm. have to be very gentle with ourselves of how our body needs to come back to center very slowly and gently, how we need Mm -hmm. to support it. And that's just an example from the standpoint of taking a prescription for that many years. Just being gentle with ourself Mm -hmm. is is needed. And again, I'm I'm talking to myself here as well. Mm. Oh, so beautifully said. There is another thing I automatically think about is is the postnatal depletion, because there are so many women out there who are used to being the shield maiden. I bring in the money. I have got children. I've got a career. I have got a husband. Yeah, I think I've got a husband. I think I meet from now and then I meet someone in in the house. I think he's my husband. Um, I'm so flat out, but I can do it. And you get that that kind of the Hollywood, hey, yeah, she has, you know, being, I don't know, just dropped the baby and now four weeks later she's in the gym. Hey, how cool is that? Oh, my goodness, you have just grown four kilograms of the most beautiful human being there. And guess what? Your body is depleted. Guess what? You have sucked it all out. You have the, the vitamins, the, the all your stores are low. Kadunk. And then the stress of not sleeping, and then the stress of uh, a, just a new being in your in your new life. My goodness! And then you're surprised that your hormones are all over the show, and that your maybe your mood fluctuates, and that that maybe actually we are working actively on creating a depression. Um, my goodness, there is so much there, isn't it? And. I have even seen moms being diagnosed with hypothyroidism after having a child Mm. because they're in that kind of this almost stretching to the edge of a cliff per se. And the baby tips them over exactly because of us needing to create a life, which is so beautiful, Mm. but it's kind of sad in a way. And I don't think hypothyroidism is irreversible. I think over time, adjusting a lot of the epigenetics, our Mm. lifestyle Mm. is going to support the healing process there. And I want to say that the emotional side of things, not just from childbirth, but just being a human being, the emotional side of things, I think needs to be heavier in how we look at it, as in we need to take it into account just as we do the physical self. Wow. And uh, the emotions in their own right can create so much uh, or can have such an impact 
on the various organ systems. It's not just that somehow uh, your hormones are all over the show, therefore you're low in your emotion. If you have got um, anxiety attacks, if you have got a constant up and down and left and right in your in your emotions, and that has a massive influence uh, on stress levels, on cortisol. Um, your body needs cortisol. So therefore, if you were now to go into the various hormone systems, um, the female and male hormones, there's a thing called cortisol steel. Because you're you're needing so much fight and flight, so the, the the body is saying, well, okay, where can I get more cortisol from? Oh, okay, from over there. So androgen and all that the kind of testosterone. Let's take it from there, and let's create take that and turn that into uh, into cortisol. Well, great. So now, as a man in your middle ages, you think, great, my testosterone levels are through the down there. Do you think what the hell? And yeah, well, look at your you look at your lifestyle, man. Um, it's those kind of things. So that's how interacted things are. And it's beautiful. But it's not just the boys who are ending up in trouble with their hormones. Um, what is your experience with regards to stress and this ongoing fight and flight uh, and its impact on fertility and the girls' side of things? And when I say girls, please forgive me, I'm 57. Yes, there are boys and girls as far as I'm concerned. Um, and yes, there is transgender. But okay, so um, in this particular case, let's actually talk about uh, reproduction and female reproduction. What is your experience there? Is there a big influence of stress on the, on women trying to, to become pregnant? I believe so. And I think looking at it from a physiological standpoint, I think that the relationships or the romantic partner that we have really plays into our sub unconscious looking to be safe and mm. in having a child am i as a mom going to have to foot the financial component or am i going to have to take care of the baby mm. i mm. think that's a huge piece like am i going to feel supported there and it's typically an unconscious thought mm. and from a physical standpoint if we were taking a contraceptive that was maybe hormonal and now we're not because maybe we are trying to get pregnant, there's going to be a period of time that our hormones are going to be imbalanced because when you take a hormonal contraceptive away, there's going to be a question mark to your body of what did that mm. just do to everything else, right? And so it's, it is very individualized of how long a person how long it takes for it to become balanced again, for us to feel this energy and this vitality again, for us to have a regular cycle again. Mm. Sometimes it can be six months, other times maybe a year mm. and a half or even longer. Mm. It really does depend on your lifestyle and how you're supporting yourself, mm. but also genetically. I think that can play a huge piece into how our body kind of comes back into balance too. So a lot of women, like if they were on the hormonal birth control pill, they can now have what's called estrogen dominance, mm -hmm. where we can have an overaccumulation of poor metabolism or this, um, this fat holding almost, because our metabolism is not working at its optimal or mm -hmm. the metabolite or 
the metabolic rate is not performing at its optimal because we don't know how to support it right now. So one of the things that I do personally and that I recommend to very naturally help bind excess estrogen that you might have is called the raw carrot salad. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but basically the carrot fibers, if you are peeling a regular big carrot, you peel a carrot and the fibers get activated in there where you then combine coconut oil and you combine apple cider vinegar and you combine real salt to make the raw carrot salad. And it is a very supportive concoction to your digestive system. Mm -hmm. It is supportive in how you can bind and excrete excess estrogen from your system. And that is something that you can do once a day, twice a day for mm. quite some time yeah. to have that just be a natural component for you to bring more balance into your hormones. Beautiful. And if you think about that, if you think about um, that as a salad, you could also let that well, that concoction sit for a bit, uh, i.e. call it fermentation. And maybe throw a few other things in there, i.e. Uh, maybe some some cabbage, uh, maybe some um, other roots. Um, and before you blink, you have got kimchi or sauerkraut or things like that. So now what you have got is exactly that concoction um, that helps you to suck up those those things that you maybe don't want so much. But you also have got something where you bring new uh, vitalizing bacteria into your gut. Um, how cool is that? See, you can supercharge that salad by letting it ferment. And it's not difficult. These are all things that you can learn uh, very easily and which are actually fun to make. Um, it doesn't take long to prepare some kimchi. It doesn't take long to prepare some sauerkraut. You just need to know what you're doing. And then it's actually fun. You can do that as a family project. Uh, you can do that as, as you know. And if you look around the world, virtually every culture has got fermented products. Now, there's something to be said about that. Okay. So I will do, I will, um, um, I will do a on my show. I will do a talk about fermentation, and one of the things is actually uh, the the if you go to Klondike to the gold rush, uh, in Alaska, um, the the Canadians basically closed the border when they saw thirty thousand people wanting to to invade the Klondike. It's like that's it's going to be a humanitarian disaster. My goodness! Um, so they said, now you need to bring five hundred pounds of 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 uh, nutrition with you, um, and. They very quickly figured out that the key things they needed to survive those Alaskan winters were two things, a sourdough starter and your sauerkraut, your fermentation. These were the two things that would guarantee you to survive. Now, that says a lot. OK, so we'll, we'll, we'll go a bit more into that in on my show. But fermentation is, is a beautiful thing. It's a fun thing to do. Um, and that's how we can help our gut. So here we are, we're taking control. Um, Fallon, you're, you're, you're there. You, you have given us, for every single question I've asked, you have given us a solution, not just beautifully explaining actually how things are, are interlinked in our body, but also you're already thrown in here a tip, there a tip, there. And that's how beautiful it is. We are no longer victims. We are no longer, not even survivors who are just sort of fighting our way through. No. We are actually in the driver's seat. We, every single second, we can have a choice. We do have a choice. We have the privilege of making decisions. 
And mm-hmm. you and I, we have got exactly the same seconds in a day. We all eat probably three, five, three uh, meals, maybe five smaller meals, however you eat. But these are five decisions every day that you can make and you've got the power to make. So, oh, wow. If I could say something else real quick while I have it on my yeah. mind about the infertility piece. I had oh, worked yeah. with, a, with a client that a high level of helicobacter pylori came up in her stool sample. Mm-hmm. There was um, candida, there was SIBO, there was certainly a historic use of the birth control pill Hmm. and unconscious trauma, I would say, that was still unconscious, a a very big disconnection from her womb space. Hmm. And I remember suggesting these this protocol to help that h pylori lower and become non-existent because in the functional side through fdn some people are like okay we should we can have a little bit of a level of h pylori where other practitioners are like no let's let's totally bring that down i think it very much depends on the individual and their symptoms and what's Mm -hmm. coming up Mm -hmm. for them but i will say going through the h pylori protocol is very contagious as in this bacteria can be anywhere on the toilet seats, you know, in saliva, wherever. And so I always recommend doing it with your partner Mm. because otherwise you're not, you're just spending this money on a protocol and you're Mm. not, you're kind of infecting each other again. Mm. So I recognized that she had to be his mother basically. (laughs) And you need to take these supplements at this time. And I'm going to put them in a baggie for you. And I think, and I'm not criticizing at all. I'm not criticizing, but I think there's a piece to that of the infertility. Did she feel like if we get pregnant, I'm going to have to take care of the baby? Or are you actually in this with me together? Uh-huh. And but- I think that's a huge piece that might be overlooked. We can work on restoring our gut and eradicating the candida and the SIBO. But we also need to take in, so the physical piece, yes. And then we also need to take in the emotional piece and Uh, go deeper into the psyche of what's coming up. And that's never a a finish line, right? We're never done. But can we open those doors and that discussion? And maybe maybe this is my projection, could be. But it's a valid projection to look into of do how do I actually feel about that? Am I actually connected with my womb space to be able to feel like I am going to be a fit mother? It plays hugely into the infertility piece. And when we're stressed out like that, when we have all of these bacteria or all these low hormones or... Um, very low immune system, like our secretory IgA might be very low. Our body does not want to co-create. Like we don't, our system cannot handle a child right now. And I think the more that we can become aware, the better chance that we have to just support ourselves. And again, it's very gentle, (laughs) very gentle. And there's going to be highs and lows And I think our perception of feeling sad or feeling pain or grief can be just as equal to feeling joy and happiness because we need to have 
this balance of polarity of life. And I know for me, it's almost like we are so attached to feeling this bliss, this joy, this peace. And I think that we can feel that, but we also need to be aware that there's challenges, there's pain, Mm. and that is part of this human experience. So the more that we cannot be so attached to having a child at 31, to have me be pregnant in the summer, to have it look like this, so attached to controlling the outcome of things is almost preventing us (laughs) from having this beautiful life and just observing it. And I say this because, you know, I've never been pregnant, nor um, Mm. have I tried, but I just mean, I think us ladies are in this discovery phase, especially in our thirties of who are we, you know, what bones do we need to recollect from ourselves to realize the power that we have and to take that back. I think that is huge. And I know I kind of got off topic from the infertility, but I think it does play in to us showing up in the world and realizing that we don't have to control all of these things. (laughs) (laughs) And you you mentioned that earlier. Dangerous. You're tap dancing in a minefield girl here. I mean, (laughs) if if you actually think about it, no, we have got apps that tell me exactly when I ovulate. I have got exactly the right, I don't know, folic acid pill. And I've taken it for a month and then everything is going to be fine. And I'm going to have bang and there's the baby. Uh, And I want to have it on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, because that that will work fine, okay? <laughs> yeah, that instant satisfaction thing that doesn't work so well, does it? Right. <laughs> and I'm guilty of this too. I think we all are. It's almost like society pushes us in that direction. But the more that we become conscious, and that's becoming conscious with the food choices, mm. our sleep choices, and everything, it's just this slow, beautiful process. But the more that we do it. The more that we can feel safe in our body, mm. the more that we can basically talk to ourselves, observing mm. our thoughts and talk to ourselves and almost reparent our little boy or our little girl and ourself. Ooh, nice. And say, we are okay. We are safe here. Nice. And I think that is our responsibility to do that. At this age. <laughs> not just at this age it is it yeah. doesn't matter which age you are it is most of us have not figured out who we want to be when we grow up and it doesn't matter if you're 17 37 or 77 okay you have got choices to make you have got a privilege of choice many of us don't get to that age we sometimes keep forgetting that we take that all for granted and then suddenly the the c word comes cancer not not the other C word, um, or another uh, another health challenge comes. And it's those challenges that suddenly rattle our cage and suddenly make us get off our hamster wheel and actually stop and think and learn and appreciate and grow. And it's that post-traumatic growth that is such a powerful, beautiful thing. And it is often something I say to my patients when when I anesthetize them and they have got their, their shoulders stuffed and they are all uh, work, 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 work and play, play, play. And then suddenly, shit, 
uh, I need to be in a sling for six weeks. Then I need to learn how to to use that arm again for six weeks. Uh, and it's a huge gift to them to actually stop for a moment, take a breath, and actually regroup. And it's so powerful if we can actually put that into our daily lives and put a moment of calmness in there and of stillness and of just not thinking of anything and actually see where your body, what messages your body comes up with. Um, because I'm always amazed what what comes to my mind when I take such moments. Uh, how, what can you recommend or what do you recommend to, to your clients? Um, how can we create such moments of, of stillness? How can we create such moments of reflection, maybe? I think creating that space for yourself is very important. I really recommend meditation, developing that into a practice. And some people scoff at that. I know I did when it was recommended to me because I thought it had to be a certain way, very much in my masculine state there. <laughs> and still to this day, I catch myself because that is what has built me into who that I am, you know, this, this tough woman. But as we are growing and evolving, it's almost like you can kind of soften a little bit. We can open our heart a little bit. It is safe enough to do so. And I think the mm. that hasn't become conscious to me until I've created consistent spaces that I can be introspective. And that includes the meditation. And the meditation can look like silence sitting in my room. It can look like a walk without my phone. It can look like doing the dishes, perhaps. Mm -hmm. It can look however you need it to look to mm -hmm. slow down. Because mm -hmm. the whole point is to be mindful, right? It's not to sit Indian style. It's to be more mindful yeah. of well, how does my stomach feel right now, actually? Yeah. Does my throat feel constricted? Do I, did I feel like I expressed myself enough to my parents? you know, asking yourself those questions. Mm. And the more that we can do that, and it can look like five minutes, 30 minutes, however it needs to look. And it can change, you know, it doesn't have to be this, I need to do 30 minutes every day. Mm. Um, and that's how we are. Typically, I know that's how I am. I need to have this routine down. <laughs> and it doesn't have to, to look like that. So I recommend it can be a breathing exercise, right? Mm. We can be expanding our belly and Really, I would say within one minute, I always feel a shift when I'm doing diaphragmatic breaths. Mm. And that's enough to be to become conscious. As soon as we shift our energy, we can become more conscious. And you will notice this in very subtle ways, very blissful moments, that as you develop this daily practice of however it looks to you throughout the day, I think that you will notice these little tiny moments of, oh, I didn't react this way like I did before. Or I said this and you know what I'm saying? So it's that mm. baby step process to know that, wow, what I'm doing, is that from the meditation? Is that from me eating better? I don't know, but I'm going to keep doing it because this mm. feels good. <laughs> and it's a cumulative um, effect. So you do one thing. You do one plus one plus one, and that doesn't give three. That makes 3.5, makes four, uh, because they all work together 
to to do nice uh, when you actually learn how to breathe you also learn how to calm down with that your your nutrition gets better because actually now your gut starts working and so on and so on and so on you calm down therefore your liver actually says okay it's safe now to start working again you get rid of toxins and you get rid of that so it's all interlinked so I love the way you're you're expressing that. And I love the way you're saying that it doesn't matter what it might be. It might be that you actually truly intentionally love the shower. And you spend two, three minutes of just taking nice, calm breaths whilst you feel the water running over you and feel the, the safety and the calmness there and just this beautiful breathing. This could be your moment of bliss. This could be your thing and this 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 might be two minutes when when we started the show i asked uh felon for for 10 seconds to put my interviewer hat on i did exactly that i took a nice calm deep breath and because of the the work i've done in the past one the way i do it one breath is enough for me to switch over to switch over to a state where i'm intentionally here and that's beautiful so you can train your body just as much as you can go to the gym and and train muscles, you can train your body to respond in a certain way. And I guess I, I, Fallon and me want to 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 invite you onto that journey because it's such a beautiful journey where you can grow, where you can where you can explore, where you take things no longer for granted. But you become inquisitive, you're curious. Where we started off here in this beautiful, beautiful discussion, um, we both have have grown into very curious beings, and and I wouldn't have it any other way. Any day where I don't learn something new about my body and myself is a very sad day, as far as I'm concerned. And so, guys, come along on the journey. Because you know, Fallon, you've you've touched upon so many things uh, today, and there's so much more to explore. Um, so this is a journey, and you need someone by your side who maybe has been there and has has been a bit further down the path than you are now. So, and I guess that's Fallon. That's where you come in. Um, if people gel with what you're saying, where can they find you? Instagram is a great place. So it's okay. at Fallon Morningstar. Yeah. Uh, Email is another great place. Mm -hmm. Discover at FallonMorningStar.com. Would absolutely love to have a conversation with anybody. Cool. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast. All of her material is uh, there. Fallon, you're an amazing woman. Um, you are on a journey yourself. I can't wait to talk to you again, maybe in a year or two, to just explore what new things have you learned and compare, because we are constantly on journeys. We are constantly going to courses, let's say about toxic mold, and you walk away and you think, huh, I didn't realize that, or onto, you know, other influences. And I constantly learn. So we constantly explore and science constantly comes up with new things. So therefore, it is beautiful. And yeah, link yourself up with someone like Fallon. Uh, remember, create power teams in which you are the dumbest member of the team. It's no good that you're the leader. No, no, no. You can still be the leader, but you're the dumbest leader. Okay, the dumbest person surround yourself with people who are a bit further down the line from whom you can learn. And that's where a coach comes in. That's where someone like Fallon comes in.
So, Felon, you're an amazing woman. Thank you so much for your passion, for your insight, for your knowledge. Uh, you are uh, you are certainly uh, helping a lot of people out there. And for that, I'm very, very grateful because the world bloody well needs it. It needs people like you who are going out there and sharing their passion and allowing others to grow. And therefore, maybe, just maybe, we can change this world into a better place. Thank you so much for having me. An absolute pleasure. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.